Good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here, and thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come and share with you. Um, just as I've said, it's not easy um, being a missionary, so thank you for your prayers and for your support. And we know that the prayers of the Lord's people are answered. So continue to pray for us and pray for the work of God's work throughout the world. Just before we begin to um, share the message from the scriptures this morning, I just want to share briefly of some of the work that we've done. Those who were at the, the women's conference yesterday maybe have seen some bits and pieces of this. Just for context, and you'll see on the slide, this is our town, our port town of Alcatraz. And over in the distance, you can see just up in the corner, that is Gibraltar. Uh, so part of the UK at the bottom of Spain. And over in the corner on the top right, you can see that is Morocco. So from our house, we can see both the UK, Spain, and Morocco, all within a very short distance. So you can see, if those of you who read our prayer letters, you can see how the bay is quite central to a lot of what happens in regards to drug trafficking, people trafficking, and various other things take place on some of these beaches. There's two separate beaches um, along there. Um, my wife, who um, you'll get to hear tonight if you come out, um, is an artist in um, background. And so in Alcatraz, there's a small artist community. And she, she engages in some of her work with the artist community. This is a picture with one of her atheist friends um, as they're at an art gallery. Um, it's difficult to reach into the art community in, in different cultures, but in the, in the culture that we have in Alcatraz particularly, they struggle to understand how you can be someone of faith and deal with art. And so my wife has an opportunity just to be able to engage and share with many of these artists um, over the love of Christ. And this is our little one, Elizabeth, at one of her favorite pictures um, that she has. Um, also, the, uh, two, a year ago, she planned an art retreat with some various friends that she had. Um, and they came from all around the world, from Brazil and America and different places, just friends that she had made connections over the years and it was a Christian conference, and they had time together praying and, and sharing from the Word. And then they had separate time of being able to develop and, and just have time to do their own art. We held it just above uh, Malaga, not so far away from us. And whenever some of Vari's art friends in the town heard about this, they were saying, well, why didn't you invite us to this? And Vari said, well, this is a Christian evangelical conference of just artists. You know, we read the Bible together, and we, we pray and stuff. And they said, well, that's fine. We, we want to come along anyway. So Vari's planning, hopefully, in, in either next year or soon, um, to have another art retreat, which is very clearly Christian, um, both biblical teaching and prayer time, um, and invite along the, the um, artists from the town, the non-Christian artists. So do pray for that community as they try to explore um, their faith um, in the wings of art. She's also involved in Poppies and Peggies that I help along to as well. Uh, trying to reach out to uh, many of the different communities that we have in Alcatraz. We've got people from right around the world. In our church in particular, we have 18 different countries represented. And in this group we have here, they're all um, from a non-Christian background, and some from Moroccan and Algerian, so some of the ladies there are from a Muslim background. And we use the opportunity just to have some playtime with the kids, just to build relationships um, with these families. Um, and again, this is another snapshot of some of the things they do with art and also being creative with fruit in different pictures. And, uh, I think it's Elizabeth in the background, you can see. Um, 
Also, one of the, the, the gifts that she's been able to use is she's a qualified Ethel teacher, and she's been able to use her English as a means to, to reach out. And this group of ladies that we have here is not all of them, but this is a group of ladies that she's been able to come along to the class, all of them from a non-Christian background, who just wanted to learn some English. And then we hold it in the church, they know it's in a church environment, but they, they come along and they, they um, build relationships with Varim. And two particular ladies who attend are Lola and Estella, who have terminal illnesses. Um, Lola in the middle is a devout Catholic. Um, her husband is a devout atheist. Um, and on the right, Estella is a devout atheist um, as well. Um, and both of them have built a relationship with Varian. Just before the summer, they came to Varian and said, um, we know who you are, we know what you believe, um, and you know us, um, but we also we know our state and, and, and what the future is for us. We'd like to come and just meet with you and have time with you to understand more of what it is you believe, because we see something different in you and your life. So um, we came back in September, Vary's already been able to meet up with, with Lola, and we just pray that we don't know how much longer that both ladies have to live, that Vary can just speak into their lives and share the love of Christ and share um, what we believe of, of Jesus' um, opportunity to forgive sins and build a relationship um, with the Father. So if you're in your prayers, remember Lola and Estella. There also is a, a, a program that they run in the church called Creole, which is a creative and a program, and they also have a time of reading, reading books. When this program started, there was only a handful of small kids from the church came along, um, but one of the ladies who works in a particular um, Islamic area of the town um, decided that she would start going around all the doors and she would ask all the, the families if they wanted to come along. And now, on an average, we have it once a month, um, there's between 30 and 40 Muslim kids come along to this um, program. Um, they come into the church environment, knowing that it's a church environment, um, but they come along and we are able to build relationships. Just quickly on some of the stuff that I'm involved in. Um, so just the same time that we arrived in Spain, Langham preaching and Spanish Taller de Paracacion is built, um, came to Spain. And, and the, the objective um, is, is to help um, the formation of a new generation of Bible expositors in Spain. And so they used the various means, um, retreats through the, the website and through literature, to provide resources and training to help people um, to preach better. I'm just conscious of my time, so it's going to spin forward. So the two books that we've created over the last two um, years, I've been involved in my background as IT before theology, so I've helped them um, with the, a lot of the development stuff. And we developed these two books over the recent years, and we gave them out to over the, the 500 participants that have been coming along to the retreats, um, The Art of Preaching and The Objective of the Heart. That preaching is not just simply preaching of theology, but it's the aim of preaching is the transformation of people's hearts and the transformation of people's um, lives. And then in this summer, uh, this um, autumn, I'm involved in uh, the work of helping to, with the translation of Mark Mannell's book, Mark Mannellism, All Souls in London, um, his book, What Angels Long to Read, um, published by Langham. And so this now I've been translated into Spanish, and I'm involved in the typesetting and helping get it ready for production. So in February, we're going to have our next round of, of preaching retreats, and we're going to give all those uh, the books out to over 500 different um, participants. Just at a, at a local level, we have a, a preaching circle, and this is basically an opportunity um, to study together, to pray together, and to practice preaching. So the, it's everybody who preaches in the church, but also those who want to learn, will come together, and we study together. We don't study just for a Bible study's sake. We study with the aim of, well, how would you preach this if you were preaching this on Sunday? And then we pray together, but we don't pray just simply 
a general prayers, we pray with the aim of praying for the Word of God as it's preached and praying for each other as we preach that we'll be under the influence of the Holy Spirit um, as we preach. And in the bottom two, we've got an example of two guys who um, have never really preached before and have been part of the program, Antonio and Paco. And Antonio said when he came through the program, I've never heard preaching like this before. The Bible is taken seriously and preached. Um, we are not listening to someone's ideas. And that was just a real delight just to be able to hear um, something like that. And Paco was an elderly man, retired um, in his late 60s, early 70s. And he came to me on some, one Sunday and he goes, Peter, Peter, when's the next meeting? And I said, why, why? Because I, I said, I really want to learn more. I'm so hungry to learn more. And he was just like a little child, just wanting to learn more. And it was just such a delight uh, to be able to see that. We just got a short video, just going to bring down the presentation and show a video. It's about two, two to three minutes long, just to show you an, an idea of some of the guys that come along to the, in the preaching circle and what it means to them. Hasta ahora mi experiencia era una preparación individual, un poco a mi estilo de las predicaciones, con el apoyo como mucho de algún libro, pero a mi manera. Ahora con el círculo, pues ha sido un, una experiencia totalmente nueva. El verme reunido con más hermanos interesados como yo en preparar la palabra y teniendo un sistema, un método, Eso ha producido una predicación, a mi entender, más sólida, más profunda, más arraigada en, en qué es lo que el Señor está diciendo. Y una de las mejoras que he implementado en mis predicaciones ha sido la de poder visualizar, ver el contenido del texto para poder estructurarlo. Y ahora es más, eh, es más ordenado y los, eh, la gente que me oye va a Desde que me involucré en el taller de predicación, si todavía he visto como el sentido de acercarme al texto bíblico ha cambiado, ha sido un revulsivo para mi vida. No solo como pastor, sino también como director de la Facultad de Teología de las Asambleas de Dios, tratando eh, en mi vida y en la proyección de mi ministerio de enseñar a nuestros estudiantes a valorar la relevancia y la importancia del texto escrito, que sea en la palabra de Dios la que habla. Siempre pues, eh, hemos tenido la oportunidad de, de contar con diferentes recursos, con diferentes herramientas y algo que, que es un privilegio formar parte de este, de este, de este movimiento. Okay, that just gives a snapshot of some of the guys um, that come along. Um, And just to, to, uh, in your prayers, just remember the preaching circles that we have um, throughout uh, Spain. So, 
Also, in, in some of the work involved in is, is Sunday school. Um, so I am involved in uh, different um, classes. And some of the classes, the children that come along come from very broken families. Um, two of the girls in this picture are, are twins, and their, their mother actually came forward for baptism. But uh, not very long after that, um, she uh, broke up with her husband and moved in with somebody else and didn't want anything to do with church, didn't want our kids to have anything to do with the church. Um, but we were able to continue to build a relationship with the, the children, and they, um, they were able to bring them along to Sunday school, um, if not able to bring them to church, and just to kind of to be able to build up relationships and speak into their lives. Um, so children's work is a wonderful opportunity just to be able to share God's love with people and to continue to remember um, these children. I'm also in, in the IT side of things. I've been do, doing some work on a translation project, which helps speed up the, the process between translating a, a book from English into Spanish and also to the point of, of production. Um, so the whole time period by, um, by which a, a book gets translated costs money, and so the faster time that you can speed that up, um, the faster it is able then to cut the cost down. So I've been working with um, a Spanish guy called Pablo, who um, went through training in, in Madrid University on translation and interpretation theory. Um, and so we've done two books now with Langham, um, where we've been doing through a pilot program of speeding up the, the process of getting books ready for production um, from translation. Uh, one of the other areas that the church is involved in is um, evangelizing out to um, towns that have no Christian witness. No, there's no evangelical church within the town. So Medina Sidonia is one of the nearest churches that, uh, towns that we have. Um, and here and you can see um, people just evangelizing in the street and the groups that we have had come um, sharing and singing in the, in the town plathas. And it's just there are literally thousands and thousands of towns throughout Spain who don't have an evangelical church in their town. Um, so just remember our town, our church of Renathera, as we reach out to um, the town of Medina Macedonia. There's some of you here who may remember Ivan and Margaret um, Jackson, I think that's their name, a long time ago who used to attend here. Well, they are now living in Medina Macedonia. Um, they're learning the language and they're, an opportunity, they're providing a place for the church to do a Bible study into the town. And so we look forward to, um, over the coming weeks and months, as we build, build relationships with people, of starting the Bible study in the town and hopefully in time on, under God's guidance at church um, in this town. Our future, um, just um, briefly for our time's sake, um, obviously we are involved in various ministries, but there, our church approached us and asked us um, would they come along and help them in uh, developing church leadership and various other structures that they've got in the church. Here we have um, the leadership as it currently is, which is three elders and three deacons, and of those, four of them um, are missionaries, and only one of them has any kind of formal training in church leadership. And so they asked for and I would we come along, and so from October, um, we've been starting the process of, of helping them put in place structures, um, both for leadership development and from other areas within the church. So as the year comes forward, um, we're going to be continuing in, in that area. If you want to hear more about the one-year project um, that you're supporting, we'll be speaking a little bit tonight, which is connected uh, to some of that work. I'm not sure if you can see that or not, but let's turn um, this morning to our scriptures. Um, uh, it is the, the, the third letter to um, the third letter of John. The third letter of John. And I'm going to read from the ESV text, which is on the screen as well, if you're able to, uh, to see it. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be good in health, 
as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for those brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who elects to be put first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come to you, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and also at our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. You may be wondering what a strange place to come this morning for a missionary um, talk. But this letter gives us two very important principles about mission. Firstly, how do we identify genuine missionaries? And second, why do we do missions? This morning we're going to focus in particular on verses 5 to 8 of John's letter. The Apostle John is writing to Gaius about his concerns about Diotrephus, who is opposing the work of John. Gaius, in contrast, is praised by John for his diligent and his faithful work. Gaius' faithfulness is expressed in his hospitality to strangers. John is not writing to correct Gaius, but to encourage him. In verse 5 it says, It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for the brothers, strangers as they are. So what is it that Gaius is doing? Most commentators say that he is providing hospitality to itinerant preachers and to missionaries. We know for definite from verse 6 that he is showing them love. It is known that he is doing, he's doing this because the brothers have testified to the church of his love. To set the context for this, it's very important to know that in the ancient world, hospitality was a critical part of culture. There were very few hotels and only the odd simple inn. Travelers were more than often dependent upon somebody opening their home to them. So these brothers who were traveling would literally have been sleeping on the streets or in the countryside if Gaius had not shown them hospitality. He's fulfilling in obedience what we are instructed to do in 2 Peter 4, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And Galatians 6, verse 10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. And in Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. He is doing good to the household of faith. Genuine faith 
always produces genuine good works, as James 2 tells us. So John acknowledges and praises Gaius' work on behalf of the brothers. And we have an interesting contrast here. Brothers who are strangers, siblings who are foreigners. The Greek word for strangers is the root of our English word xenophobia, a fear of foreigners. How can it be that these people are part of the family and yet are foreigners, unknown, a brother who is a stranger? Gaius' treatment of these strangers is in stark contrast to John's second letter. In 2 John, verse 10, John tells the elect lady, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. Those who teach false doctrine, who do not teach the truth about Jesus coming in the flesh, are not to be welcomed. He is not to be shown hospitality as as you are participating in his wicked ways. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't let unconverted people into your home. You are not, however, to facilitate false teachers. What a contrast between 2 John and 3 John. False teachers and missionaries are not welcome. Genuine teachers and genuine missionaries are to be treated as brothers, invited into your home as family and supported. On the mission field, you meet people from all around the world, from radically different cultures, mindsets, opinions, likes and dislikes. People that in ordinary life you would rarely meet, um, never mind live with and work with. All missionaries can tell you of funny and heartbreaking stories of what it's like to work alongside fellow workers on the mission field. But at the heart of it, although we are strangers and foreigners to each other, we are bound together by Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are fellow workers for Christ. We are family, strangers who are siblings. The same goes for the Crescent. You support many missionaries and missionary work. Some of these people are strangers to you. Others are well known. But you support them as brothers in Christ. It is a faithful thing you do for us, brothers. In the second part of verse 6, we have the instruction from John to Gaius. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. But what does it mean, in a manner worthy of God? It means treating people as God would treat them. It is as if God himself is doing the action. It fulfills 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a representative, someone who stands in the place of the sender. Doing something in the manner worthy of God means to do it as if God himself is doing it. What a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous privilege that Gaius had. He would have the opportunity to represent God in showing hospitality to the brothers. What would the Crescent Church look like as a church if everyone showed hospitality to each other 
as if God himself was doing it? What would your home look like if you opened it for the opportunity for God to minister to others? What would it look like for the Crescent to be an ambassador of God to support missionaries? In verse 7, John gives Gaius the reason for his request to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Why should Gaius love them and send them off? The motivation and the purpose to do so is because they have gone out for the sake of the name. And so our first principle this morning is, how do we identify genuine missionaries? And the answer is that they have gone out for the sake of the name. We know from Acts 5.41 that the name is Jesus. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. A genuine missionary is someone who has gone out on the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. John Piper has an apt quote for this principle. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The heart of missions is to bring sinful, disobedient people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, that through the forgiveness of their sins, they have a restored relationship with the Father and the honor and the privilege of bringing worship to our Lord. Sin is the barrier to our worshiping Jesus as Lord, and it's only through the gospel, through the shed blood of Jesus himself, can we come in adoration and praise of his name. Without the gospel, a person cannot worship God. Without the gospel, a person is lost to an eternal separation from God. Without the gospel, the person cannot follow the ultimate goal of humanity, the glorification of God. Therefore, missions exist so that the person receiving Christ can have their sins forgiven, their relationship restored with the Father, and the fulfillment of their, of their calling to glorify God. If I, said the phrase to, if I said the phrase to you, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. Many of you may know the, the phrase, but the story behind it is very powerful. It is now the Moravian call to mission. There was an island in the West Indies and where an atheist British slave owner owned two to 3,000 slaves. And the slave owner claimed, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he is shipwrecked, we will keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to us about God. I am through with all that nonsense. Two ordinary men, John Leonard Dober, a potter, and David Nitchman, a carpenter, names that you probably never have heard of, heard about these slaves that they would never have the chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So in 1732, they sold themselves as slaves to the slave owner. And they used the money from the sale to pay for their voyage to the island. As the ship was leaving the dock in Hamburg, they linked arms, knowing that it would be the last chance they would have to see their family and their friends and their home. And they shouted, May the lamb receive, that was slain, receive the word of his suffering. Ordinary men who had gone out for the sake of the name. 
In the last, verse of, the verse, last part of verse 7, we see the integrity of the brothers. They accepted nothing from the Gentiles. They accepted nothing from the unbelievers from whom they had worked. Itinerant preachers were common at this time, but most requested payment in return for their speeches and from, the, from their followers. These brothers of John did not want to be seen as preaching for profit, and they didn't want to be shackled in the gospel as something that could be bought. As a consequence, the church was their only means of support. In verse 8, we get to the core of John's argument and our second principle. We do missions to be fellow workers with Christ. Gaius is not supporting the missionaries because of who they are. He is supporting the missionaries to be part of the work of Christ. He is a fellow worker with the truth. We can't all go on the mission field, but we can all be fellow workers. William Carey gives a wonderful example of this when he compares the missions to the exploration of a mine. He said, I will go down if you hold the ropes. I will go down if you hold the ropes. What a powerful image of mission. Gaius is working with the truth, with Jesus, the way and the truth and the light. By participating in the missionary movement, we are participating in the work of Jesus. The work of missions is not to build a brethren kingdom, a Baptist kingdom, a Pentecostal kingdom. The work of missions is to build Christ's kingdom. It is to join him in that work. It is not our work, our missionaries, our church. It is Christ's work, Christ's missionaries, and Christ's church. That is why it's important to check the motives of the missionaries that you support. Have they gone out for their own name, or have they gone out for the sake of the name? Do they seek their own glory or the glory of God? How does supporting missionaries and Christian work look like for the present? With this church's particular giftings and abilities, how do you engage in building Christ's kingdom around the world? How do you engage in mission in a manner worthy of God? And finally, always check your own motives that your outreach here and that your mission endeavors here are for the sake of the name. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Amen. Let us close our service this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we acknowledge that statement that the lamb that was slain received the reward of his suffering. For many of us, we cannot even remotely understand the sufferings that you buried on the cross for us. But at the same time, we can rejoice that through that, we can have restored relationship with our Father. And through that, we can engage again in a relationship where we can take joy in being with you every day and walking with you. And through that restored relationship, we can go out and share that good news throughout the world, whether it be around the Crescent 
or whether it be in Romania, whether it be um, in Tanzania or Spain, South Africa, whichever part of your world, we give you thanks, Lord, for your faithful brothers who are strangers to us, but part of our family. We pray for them this morning, those who have services. Pray for your word as it gets preached. We pray, Lord, and give you thanks for all that you have done for us through your Son. Now, as we go out this morning, help us, Lord, to think on how do we show hospitality, not just to missionaries, but to each other. And that shows forth God's love, the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.